0: Hi there, and welcome to the podcast, Life As A, a show intently focused on exploring and unearthing the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. When you think of emerging technologies whether they be centered on AI, 5G, fintech, blockchain, autonomous vehicles, smart cities, or otherwise, it's always exciting to let your mind wander and imagine what could be around the bend for you as a consumer or beneficiary to all this technological progress. However, have you considered what a wild ride it must be driving all of this? More succinctly, what would life be like as someone who helps shape, package and deliver such tech to market? Well, in terms of our guest today, I could not imagine a better individual to help demystify many of these questions because, well, he is one of very few entrepreneurial forces of nature driving much of this innovation around the world and has been doing so for years. Alvin Fu could best be described as a tech savant who has leveraged his exceptional abilities, experiences, and intuitive thoughts to become a global social influencer when it comes to business and tech. Hundreds of thousands of followers can attest to all of this. Thinkers360, the world's first and largest premier marketplace for B2B thought leaders and influencers, has labeled Alvin as a top 10 global thought leader relating to digital disruption. Care to hear some of the reasoning for this esteemed status and label? Well, here are some highlights of his professional background over the years, including some of his current activities for you to chew on. And I stress highlights, by the way, because there are actually far more points than what I'll list off. Here goes. Google, head of mobile China. Alvin was the first Google mobile head for China, where he led and transformed the mobile advertising business and helped make China the third largest mobile ad market for Google. Omnicom Media Group. Alvin was head of Mobility and Innovation China, where he managed a team of more than 500 people covering all of China. Omnicom, by the way, is one of the top five advertising agencies in the world. Notable customers include Apple, Adidas, McDonald's, Nissan, PepsiCo, Pfizer, Johnson Johnson, ExxonMobil, Unilever, Mars, and Volkswagen. China Accelerator, Mentor. Alvin's been a mentor for China Accelerator, which is a mentorship-driven program assisting internet startups from around the world cross borders, from the world into China, and from China to the world. It is operated by the venture fund SOSV, which has $700 in assets under management and operates five global accelerators. South by Southwest, Alvin is part of the board of advisors. South by Southwest, of course, dedicates itself to helping creative people achieve their goals. The annual event is attended by more than 200,000 attendees. NASDAQ's advisor. Alvin is an advisor for a decentralized exchange enabling the trading of Asian stocks on-chain. Imagine NASDAQ on blockchain. Dow Ventures, co-founder. Alvin is the co-founder of this organization aimed at building decentralized finance, DeFi, through pooled asset management using blockchain technology. Dow Ventures is a smart money manager and robo-advisory on blockchain. Finally, Alvin is also a globally recognized promoter of the UN's SDGs, as identified by Rise Global Org where he is globally ranked 19th in the world as far as being a top social media influencer, promoting sustainable development goals through personal outreach and engagement. So you see what I mean about this guy being widely recognized as a global influencer in force of nature? There was zero hyperbole contained in the remarks I used to describe him when opening the show. With that, Alvin, I am thrilled to welcome you to the program.
1: Thanks for inviting me. Thank yeah, you.
0: Yeah, it's quite the list of accomplishments. I mean, uh, I, I cannot imagine when we were um, arranging to, to have you on the program, I remember saying or, or typing a message across to you, something along the lines of, you know, your world is spinning a little bit faster than most. Uh, so yeah, I, I do really appreciate you taking some time to join the program.
1: Yeah, thank, thank you for inviting me. I'm really, really grateful of you making time to like, you know, uh, bring me onto the show. Right. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Chris.
0: Yeah, great. Well, why don't we get right into it? Uh, The first segment is something called Coloring Wikipedia. And basically, this is a segment where I just read off a definition as defined by Wikipedia of the guest's profession. I like to do it for a couple of reasons. One, it brings everyone up to speed. And then two, I think it's a great jumping off point for the guest to kind of look at the definition in terms of what's contained. Maybe there's some missing parts or maybe some inaccuracies. But anyway, it just allows for the discussion to get going. So, of course, I have you down as entrepreneur. So let me just read that out for you. All right, entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is someone involved in the creation or extraction of value. Additionally, entrepreneurs identify opportunities, evaluate them as viable, and then decide to exploit them. Key entrepreneurial activities include extensive planning, hiring, acquiring financial and material resources, providing leadership, being responsible for both the venture's success or failure and risk aversion. All righty. Now admittedly this summation is pretty basic, but within the context of everything that you do, you know, what are your first sort of thoughts or uh, reactions to that?
1: I mean, from my standpoint it's that uh, I think entrepreneurial on being an entrepreneur is something that uh is in my blood. I mean, I I've grown from very young. I mean, I I remember when I was a kid, you know, really young, like in elementary school, mm. that I that started. You know, the reason why I started being very enterprising was also to, to look at my, my my dad, who who has you know who runs his own business at that time, and I had the opportunity to see him, you know, selling. And I want to be like him, hey. and so, so from a very young age. I have this concept of I want to be a boss of my own.
2: Yeah.
1: But I have no clue how to do it. But I somehow have this clue, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. But in my as a kid, it's always been I want to be my own boss. Right? So that has always been in my mind, the back of my mind, as I as I was growing up. So so in my life and entire career, uh uh besides working for companies, I've actually started my own company before. Well, well, you know, people will look at me and say, oh, you have gone through a lot of success, but I'll tell mm-hmm. you, there's a lot more pain than anything else. Yeah. Mostly, you know, failure. Then successes, you know. I mean, there there are some very good success, but but if you add them up together, there's probably a less success versus failure. A lot more failure, mm. right? And uh, and that's that's the you know. So when when you look at entrepreneurial, being an, a boss of your own, right, you have to now start to think, right? It's not for everybody, yeah. Because it's it's not only that you you know achieve success, but you got to endure a lot of pain, that's you know, pain right. are days that you have to. You have to work, you know, with no money, you know, paying paying rent, you know, paying salaries and all that. That's a lot of work, right?
0: Mm, yeah, a lot of stress as well.
1: I'm sure along the way, every one of these people have gone through that stage of, of pain. And yeah. and obviously, with all that pain, eventually, right, the pain is is a kind of learning that takes you to the next level. And eventually, mm-hmm. right, you will, you, you'll get there if you're persistent enough. And you don't die. That's what it is. <laughs> you don't If die. you continue yeah. to persist and you don't die, you, you get that, right? Yeah. But uh you along the way you need to endure. I mean, I think that's uh, to me, uh, you know, being 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 your boss, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, it's it's not for everybody, but it's certainly a, a great aspiration. And uh and if you look at these days, a lot of young people are getting into the space early, right? Uh and, yeah. and because of the proliferation of technology that allows you know everyone. Equipped themselves, right, to start a business. Unlike before, right? you need a lot of money, right?
0: Yeah. In, in fact, I just uh, finished editing an episode, it'll be dropping this week of an entrepreneur who is, and when he started his company, it's an e commerce apparel company. He was 16 years old and he's 18 now. And uh, yeah, just a fantastic talk with him. But same sort of thing. I mean, back in the day, uh, you know, the only option for him with that type of business would have been bricks and mortar. You know, at that age, you just don't have the capital to do so. But now, the day and age that we live in, he was able to get a grant through a, a government program, get some of the funding that way, and then just started up on his own with some help, getting some good mentorship along the way. And he's off to the races. Oh. So, yeah.
1: Today, you know, you have got all kinds of VCs up to crypto VCs these days. You know, those that invest into crypto and also Web 3.0, and also their accelerators and, yeah. and, and mentorship, right? Which in the past, now, you, you, either you know it or your friends know it or you're out of business. No, or in those days, even creating a website cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars.
2: Right. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. Like,
1: right. I mean, in, probably millions in, in those days. But now, even a kid could create one. Yeah. Right. Anyone who knows a little bit of, you know, if you can access, you know, the internet, you get everything. Yeah. right yeah. And, and, and you don't even need to spend a lot of money. I think that's, that, that creates right, a level playing field, and opportunity for anyone to embark right, on, mm-hmm. on, the, on the tech on the tech path.
0: Yeah, completely agree. <laughs> really quickly, just to return to the, uh, the definition, um, I've got a bit of a fun exercise here. There were some bullet points that are read off in terms of what Wikipedia has defined as being key features of an entrepreneur. So what I was thinking what we could do here is I could just read them off one by one and maybe your, your instant sort of like guttural reaction to, to each of these bullet points, you could summarize within, I don't know, 10 to 20 words, just something quick and short for each one. Does that sound good?
1: Okay, sure. All right.
0: Okay. So we're going back to the bullet points here of an entrepreneur. So one of the key activities, according to Wikipedia, extensive planning. What do you think?
1: I mean, you can plan, but you know, in, in business is that planning, it is only that much you can plan. The rest, right, really depends on how the business evolves. But, but you need plan because that would set your direction, right? At least you don't, you're not all over the place, right? At least you set your direction and try to get near to that plan. And even if you miss that plan, right, you're not that far away. So you, right. you still need planning, but don't expect that plan, right, to be exactly the way it is. You need to evolve. You need to be flexible. And I think, you know, you need to adapt very quickly, especially if technology moves so quickly. Now, whatever that you plan, and, uh, you know, eventually it may, it may sidetrack. And I mean, a lot of, a lot of, uh, tech entrepreneurs, right. When they, when you look at what they have built and be, became very successful when they started right off, right. It was something else. So, so the adaptability and willing to change, right. is very critical, uh, in today's business. So, so you need to plan, but your planning also needs to adapt as well.
0: Gotcha. Hiring. What do you think there?
1: Well, hiring, I mean, from my standpoint is that, uh, it's probably one of the hardest thing, right. Uh. Yeah. Now, it's, it sounds easy because like if you have the money you can find the right person, but uh, hiring really really tough, and trying to you know hire one person and getting that person to stay is even harder, right? So I think the 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 the, the key to successful uh, uh building up your your organization is to find the right person, and that becomes a challenge, mm. right? But if you find that one person, I think that person wanna will, will, will run the business for you. So so hiring is very key uh, in building an organization or even building a startup.
0: Okay. Acquiring financial and material resources.
1: Funding is everything. If you ask me from my standpoint, right. If you, if you talk about planning, hiring, I mean, all this won't exist, right. There's no funding, right. Uh, the key, the key in anything that you, when you start doing, right. is that you, you must have a direction of where you want to go. Right. And once you have that, right. Now start looking for money. And when you start looking for money, don't, no, I've always had this 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 thinking here. So go find that money early, and then you know build yourself a, what I would term as a, a you you need to build that landing right. So mm-hmm. at least that that you have a longer track, right? Longer track in terms of how you want to move. Now always raise more as as much as you can, yep. right? So that you can have right, that that you know longer longer track in terms of actually where you want to go in the future.
0: Excellent, providing leadership.
1: That's what every uh, you know boss or entrepreneur needs to do, right? You need to inspire people, right? And and that's how you lead them. Uh, and not only inspire them, you have to keep them motivated, because if they, they 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 get, I mean, a lot of that time when you talk to young people, right? They are like people before, right? Is who who are a lot more patient. These days, you know, kids get bored quite easily. So you To know, inspire, keep them motivated, and then you know, giving them a lot of opportunity and room for them, right, be creative.
0: Last one. Risk aversion.
1: Well, now that goes back also to planning as well, right? You can, as much as you can plan, right? Well, the risk will always be there, right? You have all, you need to constantly uh, be, be looking out, yeah, for, for risk and whether that could be a regular, I mean, especially in crypto, there'll be the so-called regulatory risk, yeah. you know, depending on jurisdiction. Or- so you need to plan ahead. I mean, that's what planning is all about, right? It's very, it's very hard to plan and, and making sure that you are risk-free. Uh, so as as long as that risk is you know at the back of your head and you plan well, at least right you you will be able to you know at least adverse, you know at least try and mitigate the risk when it comes along.
0: Excellent. I think Wikipedia needs to update uh, their definition and add in a lot of the comments that you just provided. I think that paints a, a much clearer picture of what uh, what they're trying to get across. <laughs> I think you can add that to the list of things that you, you probably need to do on top of everything else. <laughs> update the, the entrepreneurial uh, definition for Wikipedia. Um,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Well, great. I would like to shift on over into a new segment, something called a Q&A discovery. The first question I have here, I mean, I read that part of your early foray into technology was based on working with best in class companies, uh, covering several emerging tech fields, and then advising your clients on how to prepare and digitally transform themselves for all of that. Now, I also know, you know, when you're in a moment, it's hard to be objective of what's going on around you, what you're learning and what's taking place. So now kind of looking back at some of those experiences, perhaps with Google or even Omnicom, would you say some of those experiences helped uncover almost wormholes of possibility, you know, for you to personally explore and eventually, you know, exploit as far as like starting your own businesses based on some of the things that you're, you know, uncovering at that time?
1: I think every organization, uh, I mean, I, I, I was with, uh, with Nokia at one time, you know, the, you know, the very big, you know, uh, mobile company. Yeah. And then I went on to Google and Omicom. All, all these companies, well, because they are in, in, in different businesses, they present, uh, first of all, they present an opportunity to learn, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. So that's yeah. an opportunity. And that, 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 that's one huge thing is also learning. And the other one, it presents an opportunity for you to network with people around yeah. the circle. So, so if you put them together, right, right, you know, people and the business, right, becomes magic, right, and that opens up opportunity. Whether that opportunity could lead you into investing into a company, I invest a lot of company, right, to my Omnicom, who has a partnership with China Accelerator,
2: yeah,
1: right. So that became a partnership that uh, that gave rise an opportunity for me to like invest into more advertising centric tech company because Mm -hmm. that I saw. That I saw, right, uh, the the lacking in the ad business now, because you know there's a lacking, yeah. then there's an opportunity, right? Exactly. Or if you see a problem, that's a, that's an opportunity. Uh, so that 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 was a great comment. So it was the learning, right? Plus identifying the problem, mm. and then finding the right mix, right? You know, the startup who is then you know having a solution to that problem.
2: Yeah. So yeah. That,
1: but, but, but having said even that that doesn't mean that you know, you, you'll be successful right but but that at least right will reduce right uh, will, will increase your opportunity right uh chances of, some, of, of of making it to the other end but then again the startup is difficult right like most of the accelerator companies i won't name them uh you know like like 90 90 more than 95 percent won't make it i mean mm. it's only like the cream of the cream right that's really at the top but most companies don't make it Right. Uh, it's, and then it could be for many reasons. It could be, you know, partnership. It could be, uh you know, funding. It could, it could be timing. You know, a lot of time is timing. You know, you're too yeah. early or too late or whatever. Right. And then competition mm-hmm. and so forth. So there could be many reasons to it, but uh, there's no single reason. Right. But, uh, but, uh, but the failure rate is just, you know, you know, hard to comprehend. That, that, that's what I'm saying. It's not for everyone. When, and when everyone looks at, you know, getting, into startup. Oh, you know, it's, it's great. You know, the energy is, it's, it's, uh, it's strong and, and, and powerful because you want to get there. Right. But yeah, but out of that, you know, a thousand people get there, right. Only a handful will reach the other end. And yeah. most will not, like it, right. Most will even see, you know, like at the end of a tunnel. So it's, it's difficult. Right. But I'm not saying that, you know, because of that, you know, don't go change the world. You need to make that stride because you never know whether you're going to get there, right? and it's also because of this uh, determination and also persistency, right? That people get there, like Elon Musk gets there, you know, Bill gets got there, right? And so many people got there, you know, Larry and 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 Mark and all that. So, so it's a it's it's also timing, right? You know, getting the right funding, with the right you know a uh, leadership team and team.
2: Yeah.
1: Now, if you put all that, it's really a successful company. Is is it, if you look at everything, it's like a magic. Somehow yeah. it just works magically.
0: Mm-hmm sounds to me like it's one, like this mindset, obviously, like what you just said, like determination, not giving up and just always looking, looking to learn first and foremost, you know, what your weaknesses are, perhaps in a certain area, what knowledge base you need to build up in order to be able to, like, you know, even entertain the notion of starting a business within a particular area or, or industry. But then also, too, is that ecosystem um, and building up that network around you recognizing probably some of your own weaknesses and how can you offset that by, you know, bringing somebody else into the into the fray with you, perhaps. And it's all these different things kind of coming together. And one other thing, one of the thought that struck me as you were describing all of this in terms of the determination side of it. I remember uh, back in the day, seeing this imagery or might have been even just online somewhere you've probably seen this as well, you know, where it's just like a small little picture of a a guy with a pickaxe and he's just mining away digging. He's been at it forever. You can see this pathway that he's created. And I think there's two images. There's one guy who's just like, I'm just giving up because there's nothing like I'm not getting anywhere. And then there's this other guy who's like, I don't know, 20 centimeters away from diamonds. And he's just about there. And like, you know, you know, if you just go a little bit more, you might Break through and get everything that you're after, but uh it really comes down to sort of again that mindset where you know you're gonna to try to find the best possible way to to do all of this and uh you know package it all up so you can achieve
1: yeah, because you see it's it's easy to give up really yeah. easy yeah uh determination while it's easy to set' easy to say right but it's you know it's not it's harder you know to really be really really determined, and most people are ninety five percent right you know, they will run out of determination, you know, once they see there's no money left in the bank, you know, they can't pay our salaries and then, or the product is just not coming up to, you know, the expectation and, and so forth. So it's easier to say, uh, you know, I, I, I give up because, because it's very hard to be, you know, to be very determined to, to, to get to the other end. So, but uh, that's why, you know, failing many times helps. Mm. Mm. I'm not saying that you I'm not saying I'm trying to encourage people To get immune You know be, Be immune with failure But once you Once you fail a few times Right That somehow You know Gives you courage Right To be more determined Yeah, most definitely. And I
0: think those, those failures, they stick with you in different ways in different ways than I think what success does. Right. I mean, the, the the failure of support hits you hard. It hits you right, right deep inside (laughs) here. And oftentimes those are things like in terms of like those mistakes that you're determined. No, I'm not going to make that mistake again. And you learn that much faster, I think from the failure. And I think that's gotta be a big part of it right there. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I mean, failure sticks for forever, (laughs) forever, literally.
0: Yeah, it hits hard, it hits fast, and it hits deep. You know, like I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. I think we've nailed it there. All right. Well, I do have another quick question here. And I want to kind of the, the last one was a little bit about the past. And uh, I, I do kind of want to bring things up to speed where we're where you're at right now. In terms of one of your more recently launched companies, Dow Ventures, for those who aren't immersed in this world of digital currency, you know, terms like blockchain, DAO, DeFi, and so on can be pretty intimidating. Um, would you be able, to be able to sort of break things down for listeners and also even just lightly explain, you know, the value proposition of Dow Ventures itself?
1: I actually got, I mean, a little bit of history, right? I actually got into uh, blockchain, uh, well, no, cryptocurrency, like maybe five years ago. Yeah. And even then, I, when I was looking at cryptocurrency back in 2016, 2017, I didn't even understand. I mean, I, I mean, I, I knew what was, I, I knew there was a thing called Bitcoin and Ethereum, but, you know, but not having a finance background and not having uh, a tech background, right? Yeah. Somehow to me that, that sounds very Greek to me as well. But what fundamentally changed was the fact that uh, that I saw the you know the growing need for a a so called stock value, right? I mean, when mm-hmm. you look at uh, what was uh, Bitcoin several months, several years ago, and that was worth almost nothing. And you can buy like a pizza for ten thousand, you know, Bitcoin versus now, and then how that has transformed. And for many years, for several years, people look at it and say, "Think, you know, this is a Ponzi, Yeah. right? You know, yeah. a scam." And there's some Ponzi skepticism there
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah
1: lots yeah. of skepticism, right? And then, but but it's it actually, st- I mean, it stood the test of time. Now it's almost thirteen years, right? And then when you look at it, right, right now it, it becomes like an like an asset that an, a new asset class, right, that a lot of people accepted, right? Yeah. And more importantly, it's, it's being traded. Right, when you look at money, right, it's all about you know two individuals accepting it and then agreeing on it and then being the to transact. That's money, right? And that has changed uh, the the entire you know uh, you know people you know last especially last two years you know people are more positive about cryptocurrency. I mean, there are a lot of a lot of cryptos out there, but uh, but if you look at uh, right, the the one that's really acceptable in terms of having a real value that, that that's well, it's it's volatile, but more acceptable are like the top twenty coins, mm. right? Yeah. Ethereum, Bitcoin and so forth and binance or whatever. you so that that movement in terms of going uh web point 3.0, you know the 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 so-called metaverse and all that right and all these are, are as a result right of cryptocurrency mm. that allows you to build an entire ecosystem right you can now build an entire ecosystem because now you can plug in your currency because every economy needs one right and when you look at private the, the the initial a development of, of blockchain was really just there was only there, there were only a few chain and most of them are not are not very popular now. Those that started in twenty seventeen, except a few, mm-hmm. and Ethereum being the most prominent one. So think of chain as as an operating system in mm-hmm. simple terms. Right? Now, in, in the past you have like you have got you know you know Windows you have got Linux you have got a bunch of a lot of our operating systems, now, right? Now, but but because the only way to scale up is that you need standardization. Mm -hmm. Now, we haven't gone to a stage where the blockchain is standardized. We we still are are years away from standardization. That's why you have like so many, you know, layer one chain, all trying, all competing, right, to become the so-called OS of blockchain. Now, Ethereum right now has, uh, they, they are the largest, but it has its own problem. Hopefully, you know, the merge, right, of Ethereum will kind of like, you know, solve that problem. Not entirely, but at least that will help to scale up even faster because the gas fee right now is costly, and also you know, you know the proof of work is is, is you know is, is being you know, consistently being criticized, right? So I think that will change, uh, but but essentially, uh, so what drive what drove a uh, 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 crypto right was in twenty you know twenty seventeen was where there was a lot of ICO, many got burned, right, and then there was a long crypto winter in the middle, right, and then came COVID. And just about COVID, at the same time, right? It took off again, right? And then came uh, uh, the crypto, the so-called crypto summer. Now, and what really pushed the crypto summer was really DeFi, decentralized finance. Decentralized finance, right, gave give an entirely new opportunity, right, for the entire cryptocurrency to rebuild again. And that's where you that's where we saw a lot of uh, a, a new, you know, players who got into the market like Albee, Yin, and all that, doing, you know, yield farming, and suddenly, right, everyone got into the space. Now, when I got in the space in uh, through my partner, uh, my partner Dow Ventures, Victor, who was uh, was a little earlier than me, uh, who got into blockchain uh, and also got into cryptocurrency. Uh, when we, when we, you know, co he he found a company where I invested, and he saw and he saw when DeFi was really taking off in twenty twenty, sometime middle middle twenty twenty was about to take off. And he, I still remember that he was showing me this chart, right? And that it grew from like, you know, tens of a million to like a billion in a very short, you know, period of time. And he said, this is going to grow, right? And obviously now we, we, with hindsight, it's, it's over $100 billion now, right? So even at that point when I was looking at, to me, my understanding of DeFi was what Victor told me. I've never heard of that term. And I didn't know that was that term gave, you know, that term was actually decentralized finance and no clue what the hell was decentralized Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Again, you know, I think, I think in, in uh, well, just like any businesses, I think as long as we're curious, right, as well, as long as we remain curious like any, like child, I mean, why is that kids learn so fast and they can learn so much, right, it's because they're very curious. Yeah. And and the problem with adult is that we lose that curiosity as we grow older, right? And I, I, I must say, in, in our business, in, in the crypto business, I'm like a grandfather, right? Because I, most of my, most of either people I'm working with, my partners, now, they are very young. They are in their 20s and early 30s at best because they are mm-hmm. very curious.
2: Yeah.
1: They, are, they are very hungry and all that they want to learn, right? Versus, you know, uh, a person like me who has been working in, for years and also more for corporates, right? You know, most people at my age have lots of experience. Probably, you know, at this age, they are talking about retirement and then, you know, where to go for holidays. Or, and so, but I, I remain very curious, right? So I learned, you know, decentralized finance from scratch. Like you know, together, I'm very blessed that we have the internet, we have Google, and all that stuff. So, so that helps me to learn very quickly, and then and, and that immersive learning through talking to people and all that. I saw. Uh, what what I saw was when I whip open right the, uh, DeFi platform and I look at everything. Else, I I saw two mm-hmm. problems that gave rise to uh, uh, uh Java Ventures. And the, the two problems was one. God, it is difficult for any any average joe on the street, right, to invest in DeFi. Because mm. like, wow, it's it's lots it's of opportunity, lots of money, but how yes. the hell do you invest in it? Right. right. So so the, the 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 learning curve is very steep. Even for someone who has got crypto who understands what who even bought Ethereum and Bitcoin would even like in 2020,
2: yeah. like
1: you would not have a clue how to invest in, in, in D5. So number one, that so a lot of problem in investing in DeFi. And number two, even if you know how to invest in DeFi, the, other, the next problem is that how do you how do you know what we talked about risk aversion earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Now, when you invest in DeFi, there are so many investment strategies, so many plays. How do you how do you you know measure those those risks?
2: Great, right.
1: right? How do you know that this is like super risky versus conservative, right? And so, so what we did, what well, we downed into we created a, a, a platform, right, to simplify. Investing the DeFi for any any average Joe on crypto, right? Mm-hmm. right? Number two, we then right create an algorithm right to assess right yeah. risk. So yeah. so someone who wants to invest, right, we then split into you know like a few level of risk. The level one which is like you know you know cons- low risk, yeah, medium risk, and obviously at the top is the DeGen. <laughs> yeah, those those DeGen they, they 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 are they can like stomach. A lot of risk right so then for someone who wants to invest right that helps them to pick which strategy they want to invest in so that gave rise to, to to Dalvin so we saw that as an opportunity and and uh, I was very blessed now going back to who you were you were asking right now now my shortcoming is that while I I've actually acquired some knowledge but I'm not a coder I've never been a coder I, I've been a tech business I've been good but but I'm mainly on the front so I am mainly like doing business development. I'm doing sales. I'm doing marketing and so forth, right? So, so, so tech is not something that I get my hands. But my partner, kind of like, uh, you know, my 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 partner in crime that has all that you know that I don't I don't have, right? And obviously, now he's not an entirely a coder himself. While well, he knows how to code, but at least what he understand, he understand it from a, a from a product development. So he's a product guy. And what what we did was we we then gather someone who could do coding.
0: There you go. Yeah, you are. There you yeah, are. Right yeah. back to that definition of our, <laughs> entrepreneurship, right? Yeah, I guess Wikipedia wasn't that so far off And <laughs> some of those exactly. keys. <laughs> so,
1: so, so, then we have to we, we cooked our recipe that we call Ventures, right? And then through this, you know, partnership of product, and then myself, and then a marketing, and all. Obviously, then we we, we created our Ventures from scratch. So Dalvengers right now is a. Uh, we we have raised up we have launched our token last year in in, in February and we have recently uh, uh we have recently got into Taxa. So my 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 partner actually Victor is actually on his way now to Dublin. I can't leave the country because I'm in China because of, of the lockdown. But he and my co right, is on the way to Dublin to join. A uh, tax accelerator starting next this coming week.
0: Oh wow, exciting!
1: So, I mean, I think what we have done is that we have taken the crypto route on funding. We talked about funding earlier, right? Yeah, funding is very key, right? So, we we have got we have raised some money to do some product development, testing, and whatever you're on on crypto. Right now, we want to, to we want to go the equity route as well because we're pivoting. And so, when you look at the business, that what we plan
2: initially.
1: Yep versus what we're trying to go around. because initially we thought retailer is great because we can capture that money. The problem with retailers is that there's no loyalty. Mm-hmm. They are these are DJ and they will move their money all the time. Right? Wherever it's yeah right exactly and they will move their money depending on what's hot and what's not right. And then what we want to pivot is we want to tackle those where it has got big money, right? And mm-hmm. these people don't leave you you know that easily because these are the funds. These are the family offices. So, so we want to pivot right to institutional mm. where uh we can help them because the institutional uh we think there's a lacking because this is an area which is very new to them, right? Yeah. And what we can do is that we can provide scalable, scalable a uh, smart contract to, to, to invest in DeFi
2: mm. and at the
1: same time, but we can also customize now. If they want to like, can you build an, an entirely uh, uh investment strategy that, that just look into meta versus so I can create an ETF like an ETF yeah. that really, you know, create, you know, create a basket, right? Of all the top uh, crypto uh, metaverse, uh, metaverses, right? Mm-hmm. That is actually has a crypto in the basket. And we can create them and we can customize for the institutional investors. Wow. And they will stay for a longer period and we can collect more money, right? Yeah. I think that's a way to go, right? But when, we won't, but when we were planning for this, we thought retailer was the right way to go. So again... Planning it's great, but but if you look at it, the direction is we're still trying to get to that same space, same space, yeah. but with a different kind of a uh, customer base.
0: Approach essentially, yeah. yeah, different approach. It's interesting, yeah. In, in terms of the planning, you know, business plans themselves, I always kind of consider them as like a living, breathing sort of organism unto themselves, right? They're always shifting and changing. And uh, depending on the circumstances, depending on the context, I mean, what you just illustrated is a perfect example of that, you know, that pivot that was sort of required. And, you know, you, you have things down on paper six months, eight months, 12 months ago, and it seems to to make sense and line up. You get actually out into the field and you're doing stuff. And yeah, it, it, things change and your plans have to as well. If you, if you just right. stick to now, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we drew up six months ago. Well, you're not going to last very long and keeping those uh, those plans you know, flexible enough, malleable enough to be able to adapt and change to uh, to the circumstances and to to your own knowledge that catches up, you know, once you enter the, the industry itself, right? So no, I think that illustrates a really strong point. One other thing I'd like to add to that struck me is that when you're explaining, at least initially, the reason for getting into sort of launching DAO Ventures, you saw this problem of it being incredibly complex and really difficult for consumers to, to actually get into, say, DeFi. But there we go again, right back into entrepreneurship. Most people would be like, well, just give up on that. It's too difficult. But an entrepreneur sees it, well, there is difficulty there, but that also means opportunity. Right? There's the opportunity. If I can find a way to simplify it, if I can make it easier and the shortcut or reduce fears, reduce, reduce the risk for the consumer... There you go. You've got a business, right? And it sounds like based on your history and everything that you've done, that's a, a simple sort of thought process for you, but uh probably a good lesson for a lot of others who are just sort of looking to enter that field. So yeah, yeah that was something that uh that hit me strong and hard there. Right. So yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, I always I always look at the uh, problem as, as an opportunity.
0: Yeah. Now because you have to in,
1: in every problem, like like a lot of people complain about COVID. Yeah. Those people who saw COVID, right? As a as a big prom, they also built a very big company like Zoom is one. I mean, we're using a product called Zoom, right? Yeah. Became yeah. very big out of out of uh, COVID nineteen, right? So right. if if the, now the the you know the mindset is very important. If you if you start to look at prom as prom,
2: mm-hmm.
0: then they're you're always in trouble, about,
1: right? Yeah. right?
0: Yeah, totally. I totally. To see
1: in the yeah, I think it's better to see in the reverse. But again, all these are mindsets. Sometimes it's very hard to change people because they are very attuned to like thinking that way. It's just from most people in the corporate world think that way. Mm. Problematic, it's difficult, it's hard, right? Yeah. And I mean, these are these are the deal deal breaker for most corporate because mm-hmm. it's easier to say it's a problem and don't yeah. fix it, right? But for, for an entrepreneur, right? It's always to identify a problem. How do you then, you know, create a solution for that
0: problem? That's a perfect distinction right there. It's this, right? It's this. You can go this way or this way on it. You know, it's too difficult, going to give up or no, this presents an opportunity. This is where we can go. This is how we can exploit it. Yeah. No, well said. I really like that, Alvin. Um, I do want to move on to another question really quickly here, though. You know, the bulk of your professional experiences have been within Asia um, for the past several years. And China has been a base for you. Now, of course, I mean, the size of that market is obviously offers a lot of potential, but I'd be curious as well about some of the other appealing aspects, you know, to to having businesses there, you know, the start, startup community, the startup sort of ecosystem. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that.
1: Uh, well, China, it's a, now, when you look at it from the startup ecosystem, uh, is that, I mean, China is a very young country. While it's very big, right, it has got like 5,000 years of history, right? It's very young, right, uh, having gone through, you know, very difficult time during the revolution period, right, uh, and and coming out of the 80s where, you know, the country opens up, uh, and, and people start to see opportunity, people start to see other people making money, right? but before, all, everything that you make, right, you got to share them equally, right, and then from the 80s onwards, you can, you get to keep them. Now, that's very disruptive, right, from sharing to keeping them, and then, they start to taste, you know, you know what money can do to their life, and everyone. Wants and then when you, then what you do is that you then multiplied by many people who wants to think that way, and suddenly everyone start to having, you know, are all inspired, right, to you know do well in life, uh, to 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 be well educated, and then you know to improve their lifestyle. So, so that that dramatically changed uh, China, and. Now, you look from the uh, why, why is it now? When I look at China, when Alibaba, like Jack Ma and all these people, when they started the company back in the late in the late nineties, early early two thousand, it was very difficult because at the time there was no venture capital, right? And uh, the, the 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 venture capital was at that time not, almost non-existent, right? And the internet was really at, at an inception. It's very difficult, then. and talents are also hard to find, right? But if you start to start to look at you know compare versus now. Lots of institution around Beijing, Chengdu, all over China, right, has got this institute literally like you know, breeding ten million, you know, graduates every year, right. Now, all these people are like hungry educated Chinese, right, uh, who are, and many of them are armed with you know a, a tech background, right. They are able to code and they are able to work very hard, and that gives rise, right now, and also. When you look back, right, the last 20 years, there, there were a lot of a lot of successful cases. Right. When you look at US and why there's entrepreneurial, it's number one, there's schools, right? Schools that educate these people, right? You know, making sure, you know, bring up literacy level. And then the next one is that you got that ecosystem, right? I mean Silicon Valley, right? It's Silicon Valley because of that location or where it is near to all the institutions, very similar to China as well where all the institutions are packing on all these major cities, right? And then that gave rise to a lot soon, And that these people eventually became, right? Either they work for big companies or they became their own bosses. And that created like Jack, you know, and many, many more uh, young entrepreneurs that became very success- successful and billionaires. Uh, so when, when you compare to the rest of Asia, right, the only few countries that comes very close, right, to China, right, is, is uh, Vietnam.
2: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Vietnam
1: and Indonesia. Why is it number one? Right. Again, big population. Right. Highly educated. Very young. Right. So, but but I mean, the scale may be different. But you can see what's happening in in those countries already. Right. And and not not every country would be blessed with that kind of uh, scale. Right. So when you don't have that kind of scale, then you have to depend on very similar to America, where you start having a, a, a very flexible. You know, and they encourage immigration, right? China don't China do not have that kind of uh you know flexible immigration law. I mean while they 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 do promote you know you know smart people to come to China and work but you know they are not like in the United States it's not States open way, in you know. the
0: same way no
1: exactly exactly but also because China is a big country with, with a lot a lot of uh, with a very sizable population you can't do that but uh innovation in China is really at the top now i, I now, while I'm not working in the U.S., right? When I look at my colleagues, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: When I look at my colleagues. When I look at China, right? Uh, you could now number one. Uh, they actually practice. I'm not sure whether you heard of this term called 996. No.
2: Okay, 996
1: is okay. 996 is basically you work nine to nine for okay. six for days a week. So I think it's probably probably more like 997. It's probably they work on the weekend as well. So, so it's a very common now. It's while it's unreturned, it's not in your contract. But it's an unwritten rule that you need to work very hard.
2: Yeah. Right. That, yeah. So that's
1: put the entire, the entire workforce of China, all the tech companies, right? They work so hard. Right. Now, if you if you compare that to Europe and even the US, right, where you know, there should be a you know, work-life balance and all that. Right? So I'm not, um, so so when you look at you compare to China, who then works so hard, right? Like, so naturally speaking, they are gonna they're gonna grow at least 50% faster. Right. even if it's not fifty, it's going to be thirty percent faster. No, and that—that's a speed now. And because of that, not one company is doing; it. everyone else is doing it. So it becomes massively competitive. Now, if you compare China and the rest of the world, it's really massively competitive. That yeah, anywhere in Asia, like even people say, oh, uh, I've got friends who tell me, oh, it's very competitive in Singapore. I say, yeah, you, you ain't seen shit yet. I said, come here, like for like a couple of months, you'll see this is competition and. The competition is not just now in the past it was like competition between the multinationals. Now it's no longer competitive competition within the multi, it's actually the local companies because the the many of the local companies are now better than the in than the multinationals already, right? Because they have learned, right? Mm-hmm. Years back, right, like people like myself, we work for multinationals. But over time, right, these multinational people will then be recruited to work in local companies.
0: Mm-hmm. And there work you work harder. Go. The money's there.
1: You work harder. Right? You work harder because if you work for Google in China,
0: the bar just keeps going up and up and up and up. Yeah.
1: Right. It's a very competitive ecosystem.
0: Mm, I think I read somewhere as well comments from you in researching for this talk that one of your thoughts was that it's, it's not going to be too long before a lot of this technology from China is going to be exported into some of these neighboring Asian countries as well, you know, like Singapore, like Malaysia, and you're going to start seeing that spread in terms of you know a lot of that technological prowess um, being you know taken advantage of in a lot of respects. So exciting times there, and you know the, your work with uh, China Accelerator. Obviously, the funds over 700 million plus in assets, you know, for some of those accelerators, like obviously that's no joke. And uh, with an environment like that and with that hunger within the population to succeed, you know, that drive essentially. Yeah, certainly, you know, we, we can expect to see, I'm sure, a lot of technological uh, you know, advancement coming out of that country. Uh, we already are, of course, right now, but even more so down the line. So exciting. Exciting! It, and is, it must it be it exciting is. for you to be part of that, being a mentor in those programs like that. The things that you must be coming across must be just feeding that uh, that curiosity and that that learning, that drive for learning that we've already spoken about. So it must be quite enjoyable in that respect for you.
1: Definitely. I mean, you, you get to you get to work with some of the you know smartest people, Yeah. right? And most of these people very young, uh, and and they are in the mid twenties to like at at most like early thirties. Yeah, young hungry and and they all want to be the next uh, the next Alibaba, the next Tencent, you know, and, and because there's already there are they are already very a lot of very successful companies in China, you know, that they can be inspired by these companies. Yeah. They, They're modeling that I could just be one modeling.
0: Of them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: They are great yeah. role models.
0: Yeah. It sounds like an exciting ecosystem to be part of, no doubt. Okay. Uh, I have another question here as well within the segment. I once read that one of your favorite quotes Comes from a comedian, George Carlin, and let me just read this off for for you and for the listeners. So here goes: Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. So here's my question: I'd love to know whether that sentiment, that appeal of this quote, is based on like the personal or the professional side of things for you?
1: It's more personal.
0: Okay, right.
1: It's very personal. Uh, I mean, sometimes in life. uh, Life, from my perspective, yeah, is that uh, it's a lot of time. You think it's very long, right?
2: Yeah.
1: But 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 if you think about it, and, and I mean, I, I used to think that you know life is long. But after graduation, and 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 now, like it's almost thirty years already. I mean, now you can guess my age, right? <laughs> so graduation <laughs> now is like almost thirty years already, right? And I could still remember uh, what was graduation like. What was like my first job, like I can still, it's not vivid. It's, it's actually mm. very clear. Mm.
2: Right.
1: And, and that 30 years just, you know, just passed that so quickly. Yeah. And now I'm like, oh, shoot. but based on what I think, right. Based on, on my feeling, feelings, that even though I, I've reached a stage where most people will think, you know, it's it's game over right now, or maybe, you know, retirement, I'm actually still like, a, I, I'm still feeling like I'm still at the beginning.
2: Yeah, really. That's awesome. I, that's great. And I want
1: to, and and I want to like create more. Now, so a lot of uh, over the thirty years, to me, right, these are all moments, right. Mm. And I want to make sure that I create as many moments as I can. Yeah. Right. And the only way that you can feel that is again always feel that you are still at the early stage. You're still curious. You're still willing to try. You're still willing to give it a go, and you're still willing to learn. Right. And that's to me, right. That moment is very important. Yeah, I mean I want i I want to make sure that even if I another 10 years, 20 years from now, I'm still really at the beginning, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think I want to, you know, like stop working.
2: Mm-hmm. Because
1: uh to me, working, you know, retirement means like you're you're waiting to go away, right? Uh, yeah. I want to like you know continue. So so that working to me is it's more like you know, right now, more like a hobby already. Yeah?
2: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: something that I enjoy doing and I and I want to make sure that I keep myself updated and
2: mm-hmm. also staying right. Mm. Like not so
1: much in terms of whether I want to go and make more money, right? It's all about, yeah. you know, you want to stay relevant, you want to stay optimized, right? And you want to, feel, and you want to feel like at least you you're you feel important, right?
0: Yeah. And then yeah, uh, uh,
1: you want to feel useful at the end of yeah. regardless of your age, you want to be useful.
0: that's profound. I I think there's one more thing that you do need to do to add to uh, this this growing list of highlights and success is I think you need to write a book as well, share some. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think, I I think you're onto something there. Um, You know, as I said earlier, you know, being based within Japan for nearly 20 years, you know, um, here as well. I mean, the work culture, it extends out well beyond uh, retirement for a lot of people. And even for myself, within uh, my family here, my in-laws, Japanese in-laws, and you know, they've retired quite some time ago. But they're just as active and uh, in different ways. Though now, you know, they've shifted from good jobs working for government here now into to farming, and you know they're finding fulfillment in that and learning how to become the best possible farmer that they can. That they can be. They've got a peach orchard where they're, you know, now selling them selling, there's peaches on online on Mercury, this Japanese online app every summer now, and doing quite well with it amongst many other things. But I think it it speaks to this point of continually learning. And I know here within Japan, life expectancy is quite long. Obviously, there's several factors that go into it. But I think a lot of that does circle back around to your mindset, rather than just like, okay, I'm retired, I'm just going to sit on the couch and just watch TV or just, you know, just waste (laughs) away, right? Or you're going to do something like what you're speaking of, which is continually learning, putting yourself into div- different opportunities, exposing yourself to new ideas, and that's where a lot of that fulfillment comes from. Yeah, I totally buy into everything what you're saying, so I'm looking forward to that book release. By the way, <laughs>
1: think about it. You know, there is this when you talk about longevity, right? One of the most important, right, key element for longevity is also yeah, and and being useful. Yeah, but those yes. are the two things, right? Yeah. If you, if you have, you know, social means friends around you, that's, that's probably number one. Number two is being useful. If you have this tool, right? I mean, obviously you still need to like, you know, make sure that you do exercise, it well and all that, but, but these tools are really key. And if you get that right, everything about you is positive, right? Your friends will love you. You feel needed. And then you're useful in terms of you're able to contribute. Right. And then. Once you have done that, you're like almost seventy to eighty percent done. That you can live the concept of living to hundred. Actually, human bodies actually you know we are built that way. We can live to uh, over hundred years old. But problem is that we screwed ourselves
2: mm.
1: more the time, right? And we yeah. you know being negative and all that stuff, and then not yeah. not you know staying fit and all that stuff. So these these are these are reasons. But but I, I mean I must I, I must say Japanese you know have that. Uh, You know, they're they're probably, in terms of uh, ranking, probably number one in the world in terms of uh, longevity, right? They have all that in place, being useful, you know, social,
0: eating well, and so forth. That's exactly it. Great. Chapter one, sorted. (laughs) (laughs) Done? All right. I have one last question in this segment here. Um, And this is also a little bit on the personal side. I mean, again, with all the things that you're involved with, have been involved with, you know, how do you draw that line between the personal side and the professional side? I mean, for you, do these worlds sort of collide or do they blend together, or do you, you know, separate them, compartmentalize, if you will? You know, this is my professional time uh, in the office, <laughs> this is my time away.
1: Uh, I mean, I'll be very honest, it's very hard. <laughs> I'll be very honest. I mean, I, I I don't think it's right. I'm not I'm not, not proud of it, right? I'm not proud of the fact that sometimes my work and my personal you know, we all go at that, right? But I'm trying. I'm, really trying. You know, trying to adjust in a way that uh, splitting my personal life versus work. We should not go ahead here. It's, not something that you should. You should spend enough time with your family, which I, which I think you know. I'm probably spending more time working, social media. You know, I probably need to do a lot more detox right now. This is, this is one area I think I need to make a lot of adjustment and improvement.
2: Don't uh, we all?
1: Not something that I'm proud of. Not something I'm proud of. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure. And I'm sure a lot of people are probably you know having the same problem. Because oh, for sure. just yeah, I expect the problem is actually the the, the cell phone. Right? The cell phone, right? The yeah. email, the messaging, and all this. I mean this and social media, these are problems, these are very toxic, right? Yeah. And uh if we don't handle it well, you know, then then it becomes, you know, you know, it gets into you, right? Without you realizing. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: so why there's a need of, of detox. Well, I talk about it, I sometimes share about it, but I don't do very well. Yeah. Right? And I'm still trying to improve in this area.
0: Yeah, aren't we all? Aren't we all? I hear you loud <laughs> and clear on that. All right, Alvin. Um, why don't we head into a new segment here? And this segment is called A Water Cooler Story. And basically, I just ask guests to indulge listeners with something related to the profession, a story that stands out to them in some way, shape, or form. So I'd be curious to hear what you've got. Uh,
1: there's actually one. Now, I always talk about being determined, being positive, right? But there are times that you also need to, uh, you know, be realistic. There was one incident, there was one occasion in my life in, in the 90s, in the 90s, where it was actually the optimism that kills me.
2: Mm.
1: It's is mm. the optimism that kills me. And the reason why I say that is because now, sometimes you also need to know when to stop. Now, when you're overly optimistic, the problem is that you don't stop. You don't want to stop. You kept going, right? Yeah. And because of that optimism that I always get, ah it will be fine. You yeah. know, there'll be light at the end of the tunnel Now will get out of this shit, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously I do not, right? And 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 I feel very badly, right? Because uh what happened was uh I kept going and going and going, right? For so what happened was you know, if I stopped now, I would have, I would have left a bunch of cash, cash, right? That I could like divert those cash to do something else. Was funding right but because of the optimism i i stayed on the business i stayed on the track right thinking that you know the light at the end of the tunnel was actually uh you know light but eventually it was an oncoming trade right that came smacking to me right that that by the time i realized i need to stop right i've lost all my money
0: right now. it was too late yeah but i
1: can't i can't even pivot i can't even pivot so the so the lesson here is because that lesson was so great that I actually entire business went under. The learning was now you need to be positive and optimistic. But at some point, you gotta know right when to say no or yeah. when, when to drop it out. Because there's one thing that you can't bet, you, you can't bet on an outcome. Yeah. When you do not know what's the outcome, right? Yeah. And yeah. When, when it's not clear to you the outcome, being optimistic is just being stupid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been there, right? Right. Yeah. So if I pull out, right, I would, yeah, I would, I would bad position, but I will not be in a worse position.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think, again, it kind of circles back around to our definition, Wikipedia. I mean, there's, I think the reference to, to planning there, to you know, a certain extent, right? I mean, like the more that you can expose yourself to you know knowledge within whatever industry that you're built within, that you might be a little bit more objective, perhaps, about the, the stone cold hard facts of where you're at you know what the industry is presenting you with right now in that particular moment where you whereby you can sort of like i don't know gauge your own optimism and measure that against like the cold hard reality of like well these this, this is the environment i'm in right now and this is the circumstances i'm faced with the situation i'm faced with it doesn't matter how optimistic i'm in this particular moment, if this is what's going on around me and this is what I have available in terms of my own resources, it just doesn't make sense anymore. So in a way, maybe it does kind of come back around to that where like the more you can arm yourself with that type of knowledge and awareness, then it allows you to kind of at times override that optimism because of course you don't want to be doing that too often. That's it's oftentimes one of the biggest tools for an entrepreneur is to keep that optimism alive and, and well and healthy. But your story illustrates that if you go overboard with it, well, it could get you in some danger. And I, yeah, that, that's a really poignant sort of uh take on things. And it's not one that you hear very often. I don't think.
1: I mean, that incident kind of like shaped a lot of uh, my thinking and also my thought process. Mm. And that really impacts on, on how i I started doing things in the future, like whether I'm trading, whether I'm investing into a company, uh I'm making a decision on anything, right? Or even while I was working for a corporate company, I, I started to think that way. It shaped because it was so painful. I mean, I I went I went broke, right? So it was really, really painful. So uh so that shaped me a, even these days when there's money to be made, right? Or when, when there's a need to cut loss, you know, somehow you just like, you know, you just do it, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well it's separating, I guess, the, the fact and the emotion. It's kind of like exactly. trying to like pry them apart somehow as best you can to be able be to make that objective. decision. Yeah. yeah.
1: Be very objective. You, you can lose money, but don't lose all the money.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. So make sure that when you lose money, you're you you're making a very objective decision. But yeah. at least you know you you have remaining money to pivot to reinvest or to trade. Mm. Mm. Then you know, going all the way and be optimistic, that's really being stupid.
0: Yeah. Well said. Well said. Oh, that's a really <laughs> informative story. And I think it teaches a really powerful lesson. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we are heading into the very last segment here, something called a crystal ball segment. And as the name or title implies, we're looking towards a future. Usually we're looking at trends, predictions, so on and so forth. Now, outside of blockchain, what are some other emerging sort of tech fields that have you excited moving forward?
1: What I'm really looking at is actually uh at this page I'm actually researching it is it's all about uh, anti-aging. I mean you talk about longevity, right? So mm.
2: anti-aging.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a it's a topic that has interest. I have I have got interest because you know it also in, in what impacts me, right? Of
2: course, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's a good yeah, one yeah, to get no involved way,
1: with. Anti-aging. So so I, I think there's a lot of research that has gone into anti-aging.
2: Mm.
1: And because you know, if you look at technology these days, it's gotten better, right? Now, anti-aging was around a long long time but it's it's just you know that the entire process was different the technology that was available but if you now look at you know the technology available right that people can actually prolong their life a lot lot longer than just. i mean what what we discussed earlier was just the the mental part right but scientific part right there's so many new technologies right that, uh, that i think right will, when you look at china right now right now China is a point is at a point where people have earned money. Now if you look at the uh, master hierarchies of means, right? Yeah, at the top right. they have got money. Where do you think the money is going to go? The money is going to like you know go into prolonging your life. I mean, apply to many. I mean, it, it, it's it's the same in the US. It's the same in Europe, right? Mm-hmm. China is going to be at even greater scale because uh, the aging is aging aging population is a problem in China. The average, you know, the, the population of Japan aging is about over over forty years old, mm. so very in population. And I mean, Japan had this problem. Japan is having this problem, very really, Negative growth, and birth rate, and all that, right? So, so I, I think the, the the to me, I'm, I'm actually researching into this area where uh, how uh, how you can use uh, uh, you know through supplements to to uh, uh, new technology, right, to actually prolong life. I mean, I see that from from my standpoint. I mean, I. I'm not going to, like, keep on dabbling into, you know, crypto, internet. I mean, that that part of the business, there are lots of play already, right? And my means, I think, you know, I think I want to look at, you know, uh, uh, anti-aging and how you prolong, you know, prolong life.
0: Yeah. At the time of this recording, actually, in the last couple of days, I've just shared things myself that I've come across on uh, on social media. And uh, one of those news items was about the the human genome mapping, where they've just filled in, I think, the last, like, 7 or 8%, which... They've already pretty much mapped all of it to this point, but it was just that last little bit, and they've just finished that now. Um, of course, I mean that presents a lot of opportunities, you know, for health and well-being moving forward, but also, you know, some ethical issues in there as well that uh, that we have to work out and contemplate. But nonetheless, I mean, it is exciting. Um, there's certainly opportunities there, probably moving forward, just in terms of that knowing what you could be susceptible to, you know, just genetically speaking, so you can sort right. of like offset some of that. And it's just absolutely fascinating. I'm sure that's going to be at a whole different sort of emerging market. As you said, for all those factors, contextual factors is going to be exploding in the not too distant future. So yeah,
2: I'm
0: sure. sure. What about things, the UN's SDGs off the top? I did mention that you are recognized for that and promoting those types of ideals. Is there anything, say, within I don't know something like climate tech, for example, or within those fields? I think that's another area that we're we're poised to see a lot of movement in.
1: Right, I think I I think there's a lot more awareness in this area already. Uh, yeah. Now, when I mean, when 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 I started as I mean promoting SDG, I mean and this is one area I want to like you know, at least the least contribution that I can get I, they can partake or I participate is actually to promote it, and I've I'm actively promoting SDG for several years already. Especially in the area of climate change, climate action, climate crisis, right? That I recognize it being a problem, while I can't, you know, uh, as an individual, you know, do a lot in terms of. But at least that I can do is to create that awareness, yeah. and also uh, uh, making sure, you know. So, so I actually uh, on on my social social media, I actually allocate on a daily basis, on on a weekly basis, right? A percentage of that awareness goes into you know, talking about sustainability, talking about climate change, talking about you know things that uh, that is being promoted by United Nations around
0: SDG. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting even in, in running this podcast as well. I find that there's, there's different patterns that continually come up in the conversations and oftentimes they're tech related. That's one. And then the other one is always like environmental and for good reason, you know, both, both are exciting, both present some challenges, both offer solutions, and they oftentimes are tied in together. Um, Even just this morning, I would had an email exchange. I'm not sure if you're aware of uh, Gunther Polly, The Blue Economy. Mm -hmm. Do you know that book? quite famous book yep. called the blue right. economy. And this author going to probably, he, uh, he has a number of different entrepreneurial activities. And one of these he launched several years ago. He has this ship, the MS uh, Portima, I think it's called. And basically this ship runs on renewables, wind, solar, hydrogen, and it's been sailing around the world for quite some time. Anyway, we're exchanging emails back and forth. And he was talking about this new project that he's engaging in called Blue Campus, which I found really interesting. And basically he's going to retrofit this boat fairly soon and add on all these new technologies to it. And while it's you know on land, he's going to invite engineers and students from around the world to study all of these technologies and then put it out, experiment with it. The ones that are successful, these technologies, he'll then utilize that and allow entrepreneurs to take it and then disseminate that information, put it into markets that will hopefully, you know, create positive change within the environment. So this application on the boat, for example, using bubbles in the water for fishing might be applicable in different economies or different markets around the world eventually. And it was just really interesting. It was a fascinating take in the sense that I think we're starting to see this transition from, you know, individuals and companies and organizations that it's like profit, 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 shifting more towards like well yeah profit's still important it's always going to be but how can i also leave a positive impact on the world around me at the same time and i just found that model to be really interesting and yeah something obviously worth sharing for one but then also too, probably to probably to keep tabs on i think that's something we're uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more of yeah your thoughts on something like that uh, well
1: well anything on on sustainable uh, and sustainability right yeah. uh, on well, we talk about renewables solar power you know electrifications these are where the direction of the world is going right yeah. and and well i think what what the world needs to do is actually in, in our people people talk about climate change countries talk about climate change but very few people do anything about climate change
0: that's right while they
1: recognize climate change they do very little about it right companies even a lot of companies talk about it but they only put a little bit of their money. In. Most companies don't even put a dime into climate change. Yeah, not yeah. even into any such, any you know uh, impact project, nothing whatsoever. But they talk about it a lot, right? Yeah, they put it sometimes into
0: their CSR initiatives, but it's just for the yeah. sake of doing it, just to have it in the brochure. But you're right, it's almost yeah whitewashing. That term? I
1: think I think that term is called greenwashing, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. Greenwashing. It. I yeah. mean, a lot of
1: companies are very good in greenwashing. Wow, they talk about you know their their effort and. But but if you look at you know in re- relation of their efforts yeah. and also money spent, yeah. tiny, right? Absolutely yeah. uh, tiny. So so what one of one of the reasons is that I, I continue to push a lot of this stuff, right? You know, and sometimes I tag companies. I I wonder like, you know, some someone who talks about greenwashing, I'll tag them and I say, you know, are you are you doing it enough?
2: Right. And uh,
1: would, would this would this money that have gone into advertising would have been better spent elsewhere, you know, in really driving driving climate change or sustainability or even in renewables. I think a lot of companies are not doing enough. Mm
2: -hmm. I think a lot
1: of companies need to do more, right? Otherwise, it's just going to be, you know, just talk, which is is the most common thing among countries, leaders, and also, you know, and companies. We need to do a lot more in, 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 in this area because now, if we don't change, right, how we treat an environment, the environment itself, right, then come back and haunt us in many years to come. It's not a. It's, it's, it's not going away. And I, I think China China itself, right, it's actually have a very ambitious plan of a carbon zero, right, by 2016. It's, it's very ambitious, but they have a plan, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a plan. I mean, it's a grand plan, but you can really see, right, they are reducing carbon emission. They're mm. trying very hard. One of their major things that they are doing right now is to electrify all the vehicles. That's one. That's one huge contributor uh, of carbon, right? So, so that's one effort already. And then uh, the the consumption of coal is the other one. They are reducing it as well. You know, relying. Uh, I mean, China is, is one of the largest, right? In in the, in utilizing solar and also wind and whatever, you, right? And of course, nuclear as well. So, I think these are these are. These are and I think the world, the world, I mean, some countries are doing better than others, but I think a lot of it, we need to do a lot more because I don't see the real effect at this point of time. But it, but the real effect, what we are seeing right now is actually a lot of talk. A
0: yeah, lot of talk. agreed, agreed. One, one, one other thing, I guess, reasons for optimism, I suppose, as well, is, is that I think consumers are starting to become a little bit more discerning of all of this. They're becoming a little bit more aware and like recognizing like, okay, you're not going to fool me anymore with all these little posts that you're putting about how much you care about the environment. And then I'm not actually seeing anything beyond these simple little posts. You have to show me more. And I think that is starting to take shape. There are some movements there that are identifying, you know, the companies that are doing a great job and consumers ultimately are going to reward them. And the ones that aren't, I think they're going to be called out and it's already starting to happen. So, I mean, there is some reason for optimism and uh, yeah, let's just hope, uh, let's hope that things uh, as they move forward continue to evolve in the in the right direction but
2: yeah we,
1: we are definitely heading in the right direction for sure uh you can see that uh, more and more people are a lot more aware of, uh, of of these problems and a lot of people are some funds uh venture funds or even some some companies are only investing into companies right that really you know you know walk the top right and if you don't right we're not going to put our money with you so that's one one good direction already yeah
0: all right, Alvin, it has been an absolute pleasure, but I do think we are uh, rounding the bend here, covered a lot, and I am conscious of your time. So I do want to thank you for joining the program today. It's been an absolutely riveting conversation and I've thoroughly enjoyed all of it. So thanks so much for coming on.
1: Hey, thanks, Grace. Thanks again for inviting me. I have really enjoyed the conversation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot. Now, for those interested in learning more about Alvin and his work, you can check out some of his companies like Dow Ventures or via his social presence. He is quite active on Twitter, uh, Instagram, LinkedIn. And for reference, all of this information will be included in the show notes. Also, too, if you like today's episode, please be sure to share. You know, I think it's always a good thing we learn a little bit more about one another. You know, it lessens that divide amongst us. And hey, that's never going to be a bad thing. Also too, you can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcasts. And also to head on over to YouTube. We do have a channel there, Life As A, where you can check out full video conversations like we're having today with Alvin. And then finally, don't forget to tune in to the next episode of Life As A, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.